Hey, Laser Graves listeners, this is EK. I wanted to take a quick moment and invite you to listen to this week's episode from the Super Tat Film Club podcast. I was invited by hosts Malachi and Hollywood Fletch to come on and be a guest to discuss the 1988 werewolf metal horror Lone Wolf. And we had a blast talking about it. Those guys are hilarious. They have an amazing podcast, and I highly recommend you listen to this episode. Also, subscribe, rate, review them. You won't regret it. Again, that is the Super Tat Film Club, and you can find them wherever you get your podcast. All right. Enjoy the show. to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I'm Ray Rose. Hey, we are back, and this is our 80th episode. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. And we are celebrating by doing an episode we already did and what? never posted because we screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> you did. It wasn't me. I did it No, perfectly. it was the some kind of settings issue, but it was probably half a year ago. Or and like then whatever. we discussed maybe doing it again, and it took us this long to get to it. But this week we are doing a film that we both enjoy, Cherry 2000, a cult hit from, definitely not a hit, but a cult film from <laughs> the 80s. We'll talk about that. Uh, it's a great one. It, it, it'll be fun to talk about. Before we do get into that, though, mm-hmm. we are full-fledged back into Thrift Store Finds of the Week. Here and we are. our first week out last week was an absolute dud of a beginner. It was a little underwhelming, yep. So we're coming at you strong. (laughs) Are we? Oh, you are. Oh, hell yeah, I am. Let me start then, because it's not as strong. So I found two things. One was a globe, because we have a collection of vintage globes, Mm -hmm. which is cool, I guess. But then I also found this cool 70s robe. It's made out of that, like, maybe 60s, actually, that lace that's super-duper uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually bought it to use for a prop for painting. Nice. So I'm going to paint it, but also sometimes when I want to feel like a cool, sexy 60s vampire, I'm going to put it on. Yeah, it's definitely very um, Soledad Miranda. Like somebody in a Jess Franco film would wear that. With like an enormous uh, black and white sun hat, which I have. (gasps) And shades. Yes, I have all of those elements. There you go. It's going to be cool, man. Okay. Well, my find's a little different. Wait. And did I, you have a fun? Oh, boy, did I. Well, it found me. We'll say that. I looked all week and found absolutely nothing. It was pretty frustrated because mm-hmm. it wasn't for lack of trying. And then today, my favorite thrift store finally opened back up, our main one that we mm-hmm. go to all the time. I walked in and sitting there on the shelf, actually, it's uh, looking at you right now. It is. It's uh, got its arm around Alf, mm-hmm. and the other arm is next to Rainbow Bright. Slack jawed, I could count its teeth. I found a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> <laughs> 
but not like a normal one. Yeah, it is. The body is weird. I kind of want to uh, pull its no, head no, off no, and no, replace no. the body. Don't do that. So it's got a checkered jacket, mm-hmm. like a blazer, and a red bow tie, and it's got crazy long legs. It does. With and like elf slipper feet. So far, it's been going on adventures around the house. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Well, okay. So you like to steal my phone and hide it with... <laughs> well, okay, so this is my fault because I bought fake poop yes. and I tricked you with it once and then you confiscate it and you like to hide my phone under fake poop. Yeah, well, I just put the fake, it's like a little um, a fake turd. Fake turd of dog poop. Yes. And I like to take your phone when you're not looking, stash it somewhere in the house. And then put the fake poop on top of it. Yes. And then you have to have me call your phone Uh so you can listen for the ringtone and look all through our house for it. Yes. And then you find it with the fake poop on top. So (laughs) I I don't see no problems. I have hidden the fake poop. Yeah, that's true. You haven't found it. And then today you actually reached in my pocket and grabbed (laughs) the phone out before (laughs) I could do anything about it. And I thought to myself, okay. All I have to do is look for this ventriloquist dummy because I knew (laughs) and I found it sitting on a chair in our bedroom with my phone between its legs. Yeah, that's my thrift store find of the week. Uh, So, yeah, it's terrifying. (sighs) Our dogs are scared of it. Yeah, it's something special and I have big plans for it. My new buddy. Its eyes are unevenly sized. Yep. Okay. All right. There you guys go. Okay. Now that was the thrift store find we've been waiting for. <laughs> oh, and an update. Big Lemon was gone. Oh, that's a bummer. That's okay. Another update on last week's episode, Little Monsters, which was uh, very popular. People had a lot to say and a lot to write in, and we've had good conversations with people online about it. But um, somebody who worked on the film in the crew reached out to us, and I've been talking to him quite a bit. And he's been giving me all this awesome information about the production of it and answering a lot of questions we had about just various aspects. So it just goes to show that you never know who's listening to our podcast. And I was kind of shocked because sometimes you get in this habit of just talking about films and forget that there are real people that are still alive involved. Mm -hmm. And luckily, we're not a mean podcast. We are just I mean, we'll say some if we don't like something, we'll say it, but but we're not mean spirited. And uh, that was never more true than when we did our Teen Witch episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And we found out one of the cast members who we had read was uh, quite a handful on set actually heard our podcast and then contacted us and said, hey, I was young. Give me a break. And then I was like, oh, that was when worlds collided. And I realized we had to be aware that sometimes people who are in the movies we're talking about listen to our podcast. Okay, that's off topic. But I thought that was kind of neat. So Melanie Griffith's going to contact us? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. She was quoted as saying this is her least favorite film she's ever done. Oh, that's Which I bet you years removed now. She's like, no, this is actually pretty cool. Oh, that doesn't. That's a terrible Melanie Griffith impression. Well, you haven't seen her recently. I have. She's um, been Skyped. hanging out with a lot of bikers in Hawaii, so oh. everything's like cool, really cool. Is this how people in Hawaii talk? No, bikers in Hawaii. <laughs> Dude, just you got to trust me on this one. I don't. All right, Cherry 2000, okay. 1987. What? Obviously, it goes without saying we have seen this before. What have you got? I have got some basics for you. Okay. Director Steve DeGerenat, because it's not DeGerenet, it's because there's an A in there. 
he went on to just do a lot of TV. He did episode ton of episodes for ER and a ton of Lizzie McGuire episodes. Mm. So he knows Hannah Montana. Did you know the less popular? Isn't that the same person? Oh no, Lizzie McGuire was Hillary Duff. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I really got my teen celebrities mixed up. There. Fun fact: Did you know that the uh, less popular pronunciation for ER is er? <laughs> I do. <Okay. laughs> Yeah, really only in the South, though. And also just only in the South. They're like, hey, y'all, what are you doing that? I'm like, well, you know, on Embassy, I'm going to be watching her. (laughs) (laughs) That George Clooney is real hot stuff. Oh, gross. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, Writers, it was written by two people, but I'm only going to talk about one. Rude. Well, the other didn't really do much, but one of them, Michael... (gasps) What? Maybe this person went on to live a full and beautiful life. Sure, but it's not our job to list out all their IMDb credits. <laughs> or maybe they like <laughs> our master gardener. Okay. Well, one of them, um, Michael Almeradia. Good. It's a very long name. You nailed that, I'm yep, sure. I think if I just say it slow enough and look <laughs> at you waiting for head nods, I'll get through it. They did two things that you'll know really well. What? One twister. Woo! Not Night of the Twister, sadly. Uh. Another one that I have not thought about in years, and it's not an 80s movie, so we can't do it, but I really have been after it for VHS purposes. I guess I have thought about it a lot, but I haven't watched it in years. Nadja, the vampire movie. Oh, do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, so... It's sort of like the pre-Girl Who Walks Alone at Night. That's the way I remember it. Oh, yeah. But we haven't watched it in a long time. Who knows? I haven't seen it I just remember David Lynch presented it, and that's what got us into it when we were, (laughs) like, in early years of college. Mm Mm-hmm. Composer has a crazy name, too. Basil is how I'm going to pronounce it. Yeah, not Basil. Uh, Paul Doris was very successful. Did, like, Blue Lagoon, Conan movies, Red Dawn, Robocop. Uh, Starship Troopers, one of our personal favorites. Heck yeah. And then one that you are crazy about. You even got a giant tattoo on your back of it. Free Willy. (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah. Anyway, the score never came out on vinyl. It did come out on CD. I'll talk a little bit about that at the end. But that's really, that's our our cast. Okay. And crew, or that's our crew, I guess I should say. Yeah, because our cast is Melanie Griffith and the other people. And then all other people. This was completed in 1985, but did not come out for several years. Oh. I'll wait till the end to talk about that. Oh, and you the, like to tease. Yeah, I do. That's okay. why I got big hair. <laughs> <laughs> I'll discuss why it was held on to for a while and, and the fallout from that. But Melanie Griffith sat on it in a nest like a big chicken and no, waited for it No, to it wasn't like the Voyage of the Rock aliens where one person was like, I refuse to let this come out. Oh. But before we get into the actual film, I do like that it opens with like quasi-sexy James, James Bond. Bond yeah. yes. <laughs> it's like That's these what I wrote. silhouetted sexy women. Yeah, yeah, so it's a body in silhouette. It's like an exploration of the woman's nippleless body. Makes sense. Yep. And then a lot of safe shots of like her putting on lipstick between her boobs, but not the actual boobs, the top of the butt, but not Putting the butt on crack. lipstick between her boobs? No, I'm talking like comma. Oh, there was a comma. So well, you didn't give enough pause. So I thought she just like spread her boobs and just put no the space between, between the them. boobs, like like one half an inch out of each side would be a nipple, but they couldn't possibly show that. Oh, and then she put the lipstick between her boobs and then put her head down and made her own lipstick. No, that's Molly Ringwald's thing. Anyway, Did she do that. I think so. Isn't it 
Pretty in Pink or Sixteen Candles? <laughs> I don't know. Breakfast Club? <laughs> well, it's something for everyone. Whatever. Who cares? And then it's like the top of the butt, but it's not the butt crack. It's those two like uh, hollow spaces that you get in like your lower back right above your butt crack. Oh, so the spot that you got to see of Madonna in the late 90s when she went through that phase yeah, yeah. of wearing thongs and, and lowering her pants. Madonna's so strange. Madonna Let's not is explore strange. that. Uh, and then her legs. Okay. And then there's a man coming home from work. He's coming home to his, it's like an idyllic suburban style, almost kind of 1950s. Yeah, Stepford Wives. Yeah, he comes to his house and his wife, who is for sure like a million miles out of his league. <laughs> yeah. She, I mean, really. He looks, and strange because Melanie Griffith's in this, he looks like he really, really likes Don Johnson. I was going to wait till later when he was kind of, you know, more when rugged. Once he loosens up. Yeah, once he was like rugged and loose. <laughs> but I have a very distinct description of him. Okay. Don Johnson, for sure, 100%. Yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, side story, fun fact, growing up, my oldest sister, who was like, Hardcore metalhead. So, like, her room was covered in... Hey, Tina. Yeah. Iron Maiden and, uh, you know, Judas Priest and Ozzy and all that. But then she had this one poster. uh, One poster of Don Johnson coming out of the ocean in pastel clothes, like pastel pants. I think that's the only poster made of And, like, a white shirt. Mm Mm-hmm. And you could, like, see his junk through his pants. Ew. That, at least that's how I remember it. And I remember being like, what's this? What's the problem here with this? Why Why would somebody put this on their wall? But he's, like, all wet and coming out of the ocean. What's the problem? <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Um, so he reminds me of Don Johnson uh-huh. mixed with Emilio Estevez. Ew, he's yeah. He's got that kind of pointy quality of Emilio Estevez. Yeah, in the, like... The way his eyes are set in his skull. Yeah. Okay. Perfect mix. Okay. I, I'm i on board. I sign off on this. Okay, cool. Okay, so he comes home from work and his gorgeous wife, who has been home all day, apparently just putting on her lipstick and having shots. Between, yeah, with her boobs. She put between, her lipstick between her Between boobs. her boobs, top <laughs> yeah. of her butt. She's ready. She's, no, she didn't put her lipstick on the top of her butt. <laughs> yes, she did. You don't know what she does with her day. <laughs> yes, women women are allowed to have secrets. We're mysterious creatures. Anyway, she he comes home and they she greets him like Stepford Wivesy. She's beautiful, too. She's got bright red lips, like a great bleach blonde bob skin tight bodycon red dress Mm -hmm. there's just like nothing is wrong with her at all ever and she's had a perfect almost like she's not human it's weird (laughs) very separate wivesy yeah okay she's prepared for him a romantic meal and suggests he grabs the wine (laughs) and he sits down she doesn't eat she's got to keep her girlish figure and uh her the meal did you see what she prepared him wasn't it just a hamburger a hamburger and french fries i like that the wine though has this like um futuristic bottle mm-hmm. okay everything in the house is like full-on what's that uh woody allen film oh. sleepless sleepers. sleepers 
it's very like everything's futuristic in this yeah, house. It's except, white. Except, did you notice the giant, just normal 1980s bottle of Heinz ketchup? Yes. That's why I was like, what are they eating? Total product placement. But yeah. I was like, okay, so Heinz does not have a futuristic bottle. No. Everything else does. Yes. <laughs> so they have their romantic meal and he's like, I gotta, I gotta, um, get with this oh although <laughs> she he stumps her he asks her a question like she gives him a fun fact and he's like do you know who the great creator of vaseline is and then she pouts and then they decide to hump <laughs> really yes. i did not catch that oh dude have i got something for you because it made zero sense to me what? Okay. How can this any of this? Yo, you're gonna love this. Hold on. Okay, so I always look up fun facts, and I try not to just use IMDb fun facts because that's really lazy and boring. But and I looked up there was a ton, and all of them I thought, man, none of these are worth saying. But there was this one that had no context and made no sense, and I thought it was just somebody trying to be a smartass. Mm This is the fun fact that they wrote on IMDb under Cherry 2000. And now that you said this, makes so much more sense. Because I just thought it was a quirky, like, funny person. Okay. This is one of the fun facts. Vaseline was invented in 1872, 95 years before this film was made, and 135 years before this film takes place. An American, Robert Cheesebro of (laughs) Titusville, Pennsylvania, was the inventor's name. (laughs) Would you give this a thumbs up or a thumbs down for fun fact? Thumbs up. Okay. Well, there you go. Thumbs up to <laughs> Who knew bro? I was going to be coming in strong with the Vaseline facts? Okay. Well, he stumped her. She didn't know. Yeah. Well, she now didn't you know. know. She now was it's the battle. And he's like, well, put away my dishes. You didn't eat, but you can still do the dishes. <laughs> and she, she starts the dishes in a futuristic dis- dishwasher. And it starts to overflow. They don't care because they're so overcome with lust. And they're rolling around in an insane amount of bubbles, like... Yeah, it's a giant uh, bubble bath. So, okay, we're homeowners. Would you let bubbles like that get out of control? Or would you be worried about the damage to your house? I don't know. You would, please. If I was that caught up in I mean, maybe, passion, if, maybe if you had Cherry 2000. Yeah, if, if I had a Cherry 2000 and, a, and a, well, it would be a, a veggie burger, but... And uh, Heinz ketchup. Who knows, man? Crazy things happen. Okay, so it happened. Hey, I got a question for you. <laughs> you got red hair. Would you be offended if I called you Cherry 2000? <laughs> no. Would you take that as like cool? Because Cherry 2000 is like super sexy and cool. Or like, oh, because I'm just like a Stepford wife. I don't know how I feel about that. Okay, I just thought I'd bring it up. Try it. And you'll either be slapped or not slapped. Yeah, I'll find out if you have laser eyes or no laser eyes. A TBD. Okay. So we've got bubbles. They're on the floor. They're... <laughs> yeah, this is not sexy, though. It's supposed to be sexy. It's not. It's not. Well, I don't know. He's not sexy. She short circuits in the bubbles. It's over for her. So he takes her. His name is Sam. I don't know if we've mentioned that. Whatever. No. His name is Sam. He takes her um, body to a repairman because we learned Cherry's a full-fledged robot. Yeah. A sex oh, surprise. bot, really. And she is just a sex bot. That's what I wrote in my notes, too. Yeah. And the repairman's like, she's totally dead. 
but he <laughs> yeah he lays it on thick he pulls out her ear like lifts her ear up and pulls out what's essentially a super tiny like mini disc cd this is kind of cool though okay think about the year this is 1985 is when this was made yes but it's supposed to be 2017 yeah but cds weren't like really a big big thing yet yeah. And this is already a miniature CD. Like, uh, if you bought a, a Malibu Barbie who came with a CD player in 1985, it, this would be the size of that CD. Mm-hmm. It was kind of remarkable because it wasn't until the 2000s that we had those little mini CDs. Remember those? I don't know. Maybe that was the 90s. But, I mean, it makes perfect sense because we make technology and then we try to make it smaller. Then we take it too small and then we make it a little bigger. That's how we do it. I have a mini CD story. You want to hear it? I don't know. It seems like it would be boring. (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of boring. Want to hear it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When we were going to go see Interpol, the post-punk revivalist band in Seattle, it was their very first tour. We were going to go see them and it was definitely their, they were young uh, because they were fumbling around with their pedals and everything and starting and stopping. It was really kind of adorable. They did a good show, but we went to Seattle to this place called The Showbox, which is actually a really awesome venue. We saw some great bands there. Yeah, name drop. Susie and the Banshees. That's all you got to do. No, yeah, I'll just leave it at there. Anyway, I knew that they were going to be there. And for some reason, because I'd met a lot of bands in the past, I had it in my mind that was like, I was currently making post-punk music. Uh And I thought, well, if anybody would get my music, because keep in mind, the post-punk revival hadn't really taken hold yet. Uh So getting booked for my band was hard because nobody wanted to hear bands that sounded like Joy Division at that time. Uh Uh-huh. Um, cause I was ahead of the curve, I'd like to think. Okay. But I noticed that Interpol was like, Hey, they're doing what, what I'm doing. So I made, um, a little demo of you like made a four, mini disc? well, it was like four songs from one of my albums on one of those little mini discs. Cause I didn't want to carry a whole CD in my pocket. And I had one of those little mini discs. So I did a little custom demo uh-huh. and then sure enough, we're waiting in line and the band walks right in front of us to uh-huh. go in. Cause it was a small venue. And I had this moment of like, hey, I have a demo in my pocket that I made intentionally to hand to them. And then I thought about the situation and I thought, I don't want to be that dude who's like, hey, listen to my music. (laughs) Because I would never listen to somebody's music if they did that. So I held on to it. And then probably two years later, Mm -hmm. um, I found in my coat pocket that little demo. And I still have it. And it's on mini disc. Oh, that's cute. (laughs) It's cute. All right. Well, that's my mini disc story. Fascinating. Fun facts. Anyway, um, we should do a fun facts theme. Every time I like, I'm gonna do a fun facts. It'll be like a cool little. Um, pew, 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 fun you know facts. what? I'm gonna go back in time and insert it. So by the time it gets to this point in the podcast, you'll have already heard the fun facts theme. You're a future genius. Well, we're working with future subject matter right now. It's 2017, y'all. <laughs> y'all. <Can't go. laughs> okay. So anyway, cherry can't be repaired. Blah blah blah. Yeah, we're going to have to make up some time since I just dragged... Uh, you talked about that mini disc for a really long time. You know what? It was a bit more interesting than watching a dude look at sex bots. 
<laughs> anyway, he decides, he tries to go to the glue glue club and hook up with a real woman, but he's really put off by the fact that in the future they had consent forms, which is actually pretty rad. I do like that idea too. Yeah. Like, okay, we agree to what's going to happen. This is not going to happen. Done. Deal. Did you see who was at the club? Uh, yeah, I did. Name okay. drop again. It was your def- best friend. Definitely not Lawrence Fishburne. It what? was Morpheus. This is his his character story. It's his origin story. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He <gasps> is in Morpheus' this was outfit. Be- this was before he knew about the Matrix, before he took the pill. No, this is the Matrix, and he's just hanging out, moonlighting he- at the club. Oh my gosh. Dude, okay. I, I had a full on like moment when this happened because he looks like Morpheus. Yeah. He's got on black shades. What more do you need? <laughs> yeah. Done and did you deal. see he was dropping a pill in a woman's drink? So he was clearly like, this was the Matrix. <laughs> okay. okay. So anyway, Sam learns that he can't handle real women. It was a blue pill, by the way. And he goes home and he lays in bed next to what is essentially the dead sex bot. And he's listening to her mini-disc on file. So it's like tapes of them talking and whatever. The repairman calls him and says that he can find the exact model. So all that Sam has to do is pop this mini-disc behind the ear of another model. So it'll look the same. A Cherry 2000. Yeah, and apparently the Cherry 2000 is a super advanced model. And we don't know how he got her. Yeah, very rare model. So he has to go uh, to... Like this lawless zone where he can find it. So he needs to find a tracker. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole premise. And the repairman gives him this vi- advice to go to the glory hole, which is a bar, <laughs> and find a tracker there. And so he drives there. And on the way, he passes a sign that says, like, glory hole, 10 miles, end of law, 15. Yeah. And real quick side story. I lived, I grew up in a real small town in Montana. I've mentioned it a few times. Town of a thousand people. It's called Harlowton. And I think town, thousands stretching it. I think you're counting a few cows. Oh, probably. Or like hybrids. Anyway. <laughs> hybrid cows no half human half cow we don't know what those cowboys are up to oh so instead of like centaurs they're like (laughs) (laughs) they're just cowboy hats like rough studs on the top half of their body is like shirtless studs with cowboy hats and the bottom is just a cow i mean i think they're probably more like those are true cowboys flabby farmers (laughs) cowboys oh dude right here in this moment i just got the idea for mythology of the west the origin origin. story we're talking origin stories all day long on this episode um no but there one year for my birthday this girl gave me a shirt that said end of the world 10 miles harlowton 15 oh <laughs> it was an inside joke so it was saying our our tiny little town was out of this world anyway but, oh and sam's driving around in a futuristic um like tricycle whatever no big deal <laughs> it looks like what those um older bikers who don't feel safe on a harley anymore by you know those like triker er, yeah tricycles yeah they're tricycles right yeah and they cruise around town in those with like two wheels in the front and one in the back yeah it looks like that but it's yellow you gotta wear bib overalls and watch bob the builder (laughs) no okay 
So he go- he goes in search of his cherry model. He gets to a hotel. For some reason, there's a cat in a giant water jug. I loved this scene. Why? There is. It's it's, it's like, like an empty water jug, and they just send like it a over. water cooler jug. <laughs> they just send it over a cat, and the cat's like, "Why?" It's like Meow, inside of an empty water jug, and then cut to <laughs> of, it's the of all people, Robert Zadar, like maniac cop himself, mm-hmm. wearing really short shorts. Super buff, just standing next to the cat that's in a water jug. No big deal. Oh, man, this made me really happy. I really like Robert a lot. Not only because of Maniac Cop, but really, I love him because of Final Sanction, the David A. Pryor film. And then I saw him recently. Are you going to talk about David A. Pryor? No, I'm going to talk about City Lights Productions that did Dance or Die. I saw him in Fresh Kill, which if you're a Robert uh, Zadar film, that's a must-see. He, like over-the-top acting in that. And I thought he was going to have a huge role in this. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. He only yep. shows up like twice and immediately is killed. It's to- really sad. Totally not important. So he goes and search... <laughs> is important. Okay. Everybody's important. You're special. He goes in search of a tracker. <laughs> and he sees a sign for E. Johnson. And he's like, sweet, E. Johnson tracker. And the sign says, never says no. He goes inside... Uh, and discovers that this tracker is, first of all, a girl. Second mm-hmm. of all, Melanie Griffith, Tamer of Tigers. <laughs> okay. Did you not know she grows up or grew up with like lions and tigers? Oh my. No, I did not know that. Her mom or, yeah, I think it's her mom is Tippi Hedren. I believe that's right. That's a fun fact. I brought my own fun facts. Okay. So he's like, no, 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 you're a girl. Girls can't do anything. I need robots. Bye. Robots and men. That's all he wants. <laughs> and she's like, cool beans. Bye. Even though she's a babe, he's like, yeah, I've, I've been with a cherry 2000, honey. You have your own opinions, gross. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that you actually have a conscience. Yes. And um, she lassos him and they like strike a deal. But uh, he has to go with her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, never mind, not going to do that into this, like, forbidden zone. Right. He's like, oh, yeah, I thought that you just do all the work and I could just stay here. So is this a double meaning with her being a redhead? She's Cherry? I think so. And it's 2017. Okay. I don't know. Who cares? And she's a girl, whatever. He says, (laughs) never mind. He goes to find another tracker who's, I'm assuming, male, um, because it's definitely an implied situation where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get, no. He goes into a bar and he asks a guy who is named Stacy uh, to help him find a cherry 2000. Yeah, dude, that's Brian James. He's yeah. uh, Blade Runner, Fifth Element. Okay. Fifth Element, coming back. Here it is again. <laughs> so... Long story short, Stacy takes Sam into the alley to try and rob him. And he runs away. He escapes. Hey, Johnson. I've been thinking it over. You got the job. That's what I figured. She's got a really cool car. Yeah. That Mustang is... It's a, a muscle car. It's a beauty, and it's all decked out like... Night Rider style. Yeah, there's a bunch of lighted up gizmos and gadgets. Tons you know, of gizmos and gadgets. It means business. And she, like, they scoot off into the night, and he straight up backseat drives, which, I mean, I would yeah. be 
I would be the exact same because she doesn't have her lights on and it's pedal to the metal. I'd be like, excuse me, um, can you pull over here? Can, can you maybe slow down? I have some anxiety about driving. Yeah, and they have a few little run-ins with like lawless people because it's the wild, you know. They have to break through some barricades yeah, and they do. The car catches on fire and goes out. Although NBD. the next day when they're driving... There are some really beautiful shots. This it's is cool. All shot in Nevada, Death of Valley, course. all that. Very much a desert. Yeah. But it's like dead, dead. Well, no, but that scene in Nevada where they're going through with the mountains in the background is actually really beautiful. Yeah, but like all of their, um, there are near a lot of quarries and stuff. And there's yeah, not, a lot like, of mining. Any life to be found it's fascinating well for the main like sets where the camps and stuff are but there's this scene where the cars just driving down the yeah. highway and there Gorgeous. is really it is pretty beautiful well, nevada even, is a really beautiful state even the quarry scenes are beautiful because it's so many different colors of dirt and rock yeah. but it i i will um i do like this film but one of the things i really like about this film is i thought that the um site locations that they selected like made this film yeah absolutely so really pretty amazing and also speaking of which we had this conversation i don't think we came to a conclusion is this the first like truly american post-apocalyptic film we've done on this or on this podcast do you want me to just conclude it and say yes i think it is but also we're at episode 80 but I don't know. I can't remember, honestly, at this point. So they've been driving through the night. Cherry pulls over. Nope, not Cherry. Um, Johnson pulls over. She tells him uh, to keep watch while she naps. And she's like, I never let anybody. Actually, she's like, I never let anybody drive my car. She's kind of got a Jennifer Tilly voice, doesn't she? Like that weird. Like weirdly. It's it's not weird. I mean, you're allowed to have whatever voice that the good Lord gave you. But hers is high and it's unique. Yeah. Well, it's very soft spoken. Yeah. Which is counter to her character, who is really like a badass. Yeah. She can do she's... anything and everything, but she's very like, uh, excuse me while I kick everybody's ass. Anyway, she naps while he creepily listens to his mini disc of cherry. <laughs> Finally, the bad guy whose name is Lester. Uh, <laughs> I really like Lester. He's so cool. Yeah, Lester's really cool. I have a lot to say about Lester, but we'll get to that. He doesn't like... um trackers we'll say that much (laughs) and um they okay let's let's summarize this they're driving their car gets picked up by a magnet on a crane this is one of the coolest scenes in the whole movie really cool and it's like over the river well it's okay so it's a quarry but there's a water runoff happening down like a pipe well, they're going to drop them over the actual river because they go just throw them in the water. And this is all shot at the Hoover Dam. This is okay. um, this is like a tunnel, uh, a drainage tunnel. Okay. This whole set is amazing. It's really cool. Scene. Yeah. Like this whole scene is really awesome. Not only that, just the stunts of being on the suspended car on a crane while people are shooting rockets and stuff yeah at you. and she's she, she and sam yeah. are both shooting back with like bazookas and rockets it's at the awesome. bad guys i love this scene of this movie it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie it's absolutely hands down my favorite scene. and then she takes or one of them takes out the crane operator yeah and it just slowly 
like drops them down into this drainage tunnel. Yeah, she also secures the car. She like climbs out onto the hood, uses some rope tying skills that she has. Yeah. And secures the car so they won't be released when the magnet stops. This is just all awesome. Yes, but they're in a tunnel. There's like pointed straight down a hole and water's going around the car. Yeah. And they're trying to like get down to the bottom of the tunnel. And Sam's a real, a real dude. And he <laughs> loses control of himself and knocks them both down. And it's cool, like a cool water slide. It's thankfully. like a Goonies moment where they're yeah. just going down the fun water slide. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bad on him, but they end up okay. Yeah. They swim to a platform and there's a guy uh, who knows Johnson. She introduces him to Sam. I'm going to stop you there and okay. bring up a fun fact. <laughs> The swimming scene where she's like, they're in real water Water? swimming towards this barge that this guy is on. And it looks exhausting. Yeah. Why I made a note of this. Okay. Is one of the only things I did want to bring up is that Melanie Griffith was going to have her first child and was pregnant and was under contract that if she didn't have her kid by a certain date, she was going to be replaced. Um, and she ended up having her kid because they were going to have to go into production. So she was going to lose oh, so the lead role. Oh, so she was pregnant before she started. Yeah. Okay, I thought you were saying she was pregnant She ended while up giving filming. birth. And she had just given birth. <gasps> was it Dakota Johnson? Oh, I don't know. Is that her first kid? I don't know. It's the famous one, though. Okay. Well, anyway, she had just given birth three weeks prior to filming this. So Yikes. keep in mind this whole time that she's like swimming and running around and trying to do her thing. She, like, is got the baby on set nursing the baby because it's uh, three weeks old. She's still in the, like, giant mesh underpants phase. Yeah, but she's trying to look sexy and cool the whole time, too. Good job, man. I know. I was just like, damn. Because when I saw this swimming through the water scene, like, why would they make her do that? She just gave birth. Do you not well, know you, what that does to a woman? I mean, you can still swim. You don't need to. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever. Nobody needs to swim. Duh. <laughs> It's overrated. <laughs> so anyway, they meet this guy and he he's like, cool beans, climb aboard my pontoon boat with these two donkeys. OK, <laughs> and they do. OK, so this weird underground dude feeds them a rattlesnake that he's grilled. Melanie Griffith's cool with it. He's cool with it. And Sam's like, oh, OK. And he realizes that it's this mystery tracker that's been alluded to earlier in the movie. Doesn't really matter. His name's Six Fingered Jake. We know this because he has <laughs> six fingers. Yeah, he's a six fingered man. Unlike the regular six fingered man who has a yeah. spare finger, he is missing fingers and has only six fingers. Total. Oh, okay. I really love this set. The underground cave yeah. that Six Fingered Jake I'd, lives in. I'd live there. I would too. It's okay. really cool looking. You got water. You got donkeys. You got a lot of boxes. What more do you need? I really like the way this is shot too. I think this yeah. is a cool looking film. You know, uh, interestingly, I was looking, I, I found a, an interview with the director mm-hmm. talking about Cherry 2000. Okay. And he was not the first choice because he didn't write this film. That's offensive. Don't tell people they're not the first choice. Anyway. Well, he had already passed up on like 60 scripts that had been sent his way to direct. And he was like, no, I don't want to do any of these. 
And then they uh, were looking for somebody to do this, but it was such a weird story. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about this at the end that the genres are very uh, confusing for this film. Okay. That a lot of people couldn't get their head around it. But you know who was su- right before him who they thought was going to direct it? Yeah. A young David Fincher who. What was he like, 12? No. <laughs> but. 57. He had not been established yet. He was a nobody at that point. And he almost directed Cherry 2000. Instead, it went to this guy. And I thought that was really kind of a fascinating little side story to wonder what it would have been like. But I love this version of it. And I think he did a good version. David Fincher would have David Finchered it. (laughs) Okay. Take, Take that for what it's worth. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. The next night, they try to get Johnson's car. So it's still hanging. But they have to wait for the cover of darkness. So they go. It's a big old mess. And Sam gets knocked out by a board. This is all you need to know. Gunfight. He wakes up. He's at a place called Sky Ranch. And it looks very Vegas. It's out in the desert. There are these pods. And Sky Ranch is like mirrored letters. It's above him. He wakes up. And for some reason, his ex-girlfriend is there. And she's living there. And he's dressed like he's in the B-52s. Yeah. Sky Ranch is the B-52s, basically. Basically, yeah. yeah. It's, it's all cool. very cool, like Vegas. I mean, even though the B-52s are not from Vegas. They've got a vibe. They're from Georgia, but... I, They've got a Florida vibe. No, I don't yes. think so. Yes! But they, it's all very funky and kind of like very 80s. Yeah. In that B-52s 80s style. Yeah, like their car's as big as a whale. <laughs> I do love that this is shot in Nevada and there's a lot of these Vegas kind of props just throughout. Oh, yes. So good. So cool. So anyway, his ex is there living with the Zone 7 baddie, like the supreme baddie, whose name is Lester. Lester is so freaking cool. Yes. This is Tim Thomerson. So he has got a very famous role. And the kind of full moon world of being Jack Death from Trancers. Okay. And he was also near Dark and a ton of other stuff. Yeah, I've seen him in stuff. I really, I just, I love his delivery and everything. He's got such a presence. Yeah. That when he comes into this film, I just can't help but like watch everything he's saying. He's, he's such magnetic. A, such a cool character. And not in just the way that picks up cars. <laughs> but speaking of cars, he does come in driving johnson's car yeah so he's got it he's uh ready and he's like ready to convert sam for no good reason he wants him to join them like who knows why yeah, that's kind of weird huh and then they go to dinner so johnson and six-fingered whatever his name is six-fingered jake are not in the picture right now we don't know what happened to them yeah they're out sam is at sky ranch he's with lester and his ex-girlfriend in some sort of freaky vegas nightmare it's like a barbecue oh and i i picked up on something at the barbecue what now knowing the fun fact about her being pregnant what there is one person randomly holding an infant just rocking it in the background is that no doubt that's her baby cool yeah it's gotta be i mean that's a leap but whatever other people have babies why would it be a leap what why would anybody bring their new newborn baby to the middle of nowhere in literally death valley you would do it other than somebody who just gave birth and said i have to bring my newborn out 
Who knows? That is not a leap. A mystery that will never be solved. No, I just solved it. So there's another guy that they found there. It's unclear where they even picked up this other guy, but he's a dork. He's got the flip glasses and he's a tracker. It's Sam and this other weird guy with the flip glasses. And they kind of start quizzing both of them. And they put a bag with a target on flip glasses guy's head. I love it. I do like this scene. to To be clear, it's not a target bag. (laughs) <laughs> well, it is a Target bag. But it's a paper bag with a Target drawn on it. Like a Target bag. And they shoot him in the head with Perfect. an arrow. And, and then everybody does the hokey pokey. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. Why? Shoot, shoot your partner in the head and then you do the hokey pokey. So they do the hokey pokey and then Sam is back in his pod and his ex-girlfriend is there trying to convince him to stay. But he like that night decides he's got to escape into the desert and as he's about to rain down the terror on all the pods, Johnson arrives and she's there to rescue. Mm, but who does she rescue him from? Robert Sadar. <laughs> Eddie's got another wild outfit on. He's got checkered shirt, but unbuttoned. It's blue and black checkered. Blue and black checkered hat. Blue and j- black checkered short shorts with black sweatpants underneath. He, this is so unbelievable. He like gets karate chopped to the neck yep. and then stabbed with one tiny little blade in the back and is instantly dead. I feel like I would just give up. Have at you that not point. seen Maniac Cop? This would never, <laughs> never take this guy down. Well, he's not playing a maniac. Have you cop not seen here. Fresh Kill? He's got so much cocaine in him. This would never. Uh, he probably still has take it him here. down. But he's down, and they set fire to Sky Ranch after learning. Uh, Sam is particularly upset after realizing one of the donkeys has been killed. And honestly, <laughs> yeah. if anything is going to incite violence from me, it's going to be a donkey <laughs> killing. Yeah, that. That would definitely cause, <laughs> cause some serious problems. But, and weirdly, he blows up an indoor beehive. <gasps> it's in oh, a pod. Oh, we get this clip. Ah! Ah, uh, and so after all of this chaos, Sam is bummed because he lost in the melee, one of the melees that has happened. Uh, he lost the disc for the Cherry 2000 robot. So all of her memory is gone. So yes. she'll just be a boring old normal sex bot. I yeah. Guess. And then the next day, Sam's driving the cool car. Always. But he's really distracted at watching um, sexy, sleep. yeah, sexy Melanie sleeping and just crashes into the side of a hill this is weird <laughs> it just hits a rock <laughs> like nobody would do this ever. but also we see a development in their relationship because she trusts him enough to let him drive yes and then they get out and they decide that uh, actually this whole scene is really funny because <laughs> he's going to like talk to her they're gonna have a moment yeah but the camera pans out and he is just holding her breasts in his hands while he's talking to her. That's normal. Like, you know how you maybe would say, hey, listen real quick and put your hands on somebody's shoulders? Mm-hmm. Now imagine saying, hey, listen real quick, but putting your hands on somebody's boobs while you say it. That's what's happening. Well, it's so weird. Breasts are the shoulders of the chest. <laughs> yeah, especially in the future. <laughs> Okay, well, they decide to have a, a like, white snake um, hood 
make out scene on yeah, the car. It's their moment. Yeah. And then it's going really hot and heavy until Cherry 2000 chimes in on a voicemail and uh, it's revealed that uh, Melanie had Cherry the whole time. She had the missing disc in her back pocket and they're like car rubbing or whatever yep push the on button (laughs) this didn't go well okay so he's not happy about that and then um is this when they go up they pull up to another outpost so they're gonna go seek some help because they're being hunted down by lester well yeah lester comes up two of his goons come up after the they get taken out right away because this dumbass goon is sitting on the front of the truck but he's being cool. Totally exposed to gunfire and immediately gets shot. This Done. is This is such a stupid scene. He gets shot. The truck just crashes. And they're like, okay, well, we should probably go seek shelter. They go to get gas, I think, or something. And they pull up to this outpost. It's like a big gas station. And this is where we meet Snappy. Oh, yeah. Snappy's awesome. He's from Gremlins and Back to the Future 3 and everything in the world ever made. What's the... He's with a young girl. Yeah. What's her name? It's like, is it Randa? Anyway, uh, they are walking around there and Johnson finds and begins to fix a plane because apparently she's a plane fixing expert. Yeah. And And old misogynist uh, Sam is like, that'll never work. A woman can't fix that. Snappy agrees. Well, maybe he doesn't say that, but it's implied. And then the backup dancer for MIA she like does a secret call to Lester, and we kind of learn she's been having an affair with Lester. Who cares? Snappy and her aren't in a relationship. I don't know what's going on there. He just makes her cook mac and cheese. That's all we know of their <laughs> it's relationship. A lawless land with mac and cheese. Who cares? And at this point, <laughs> Mel, um, not Melanie Johnson is fixing a plane. Sam and I guess Six Finger Jake is here now. They have a weird talk about dying and, like, the afterlife. I want to sample this because this is a classic moment where old Six Fingers starts giving a lot of unwanted old man advice Uh. about death. But it goes up. He starts talking about the wind and a bunch of nonsense. I feel like you're going to be this kind of old man. I will 100% be this old man (laughs) where I will just, like, force my wisdom on you and it will be totally... Like surrealist and not on and, me. No, not on you. As in on one. Okay. On all. Don't do and it. It will sound something like this. <laughs> well, the way I got it figured, when your time comes, my time, your time, it's like you turn into a little part of the world. Wind, maybe. Okay, thanks, Six Fingers. We didn't need to hear any of that. Anyway, Johnson gets the plane working. And as they're about to, like, take off in the plane, the old guy and the girl uh, shoot Jake, and they shoot at Sam, and they shoot at Johnson. Sam and Johnson escape in the plane, and Sam's like, oh, by the way, BTW, they killed Jake. And she's like, oh. But as they're flying, we then come upon such a cool set oh Oh, dude this is like i I, well we've already talked about it but this is probably the coolest section of the whole film for set Set, design yeah it's old parts of like vegas buildings Mm -hmm. and signs yeah but they're like partly buried it's like a graveyard for vegas signs and stuff it's kind of like what is it the mila jovovich film i'm resident evil yeah the one where they're in vegas (laughs) sure 
Okay, it's like that. Anyway, Lester is pretty miffed that they escaped. And he tells the young girl, you need to work on your personality and then shoots her in the head. I feel like maybe Lester could work on his personality. No, that was such a good one-liner. You need to work on your personality and shoots her in the head. Rude. Very rude. Yeah. Those sets, by the way, that's got the like dancing girls. Mm -hmm. There's a giant genie lamp. I would live in That's that. from the Aladdin, right? The Aladdin is a, a, Dude, a I've never casino been to, or something. I've never been to Vegas. I have, and it was hot as hell when I went there. I think it actually is hell. I got picked up at the airport, and the person that picked me up, I got in their car, and they said, sorry, the air conditioner's broke. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm not joking, over 100 degrees. It was like 112 or something. That's gross. Dead summer. It was July. What is that in Celsius? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So the air conditioner's broken. I said, well, that's cool. I'll just roll down the window. And they said, yeah, the window doesn't roll down. And the whole way back to where we were staying, every stoplight, not a joke, we had to fan the doors. We had to open them and fan them to get air in because it was like we were driving in a microwave. And that was my very first encounter with Las Vegas. That's why you shouldn't go there. Okay. Well, I went there to see the cure, so it was worth it. But that car was hot as hell. This is honestly a lot of effort for a sex bot. I'm going to state this here. He could have gotten any other sex bot. I mean... Because when you see her personality, it's not like... It's not that She wasn't advanced. bringing much to the table. She was I just, know people who have this level of personality. She was just programmed to serve. Like, any sex bot could do that. Okay. So, they land... They hop to it because this is where the cherry bot's going to be. Yeah. So they hop to it. They go down. They scoot around on some underground buried places and start looking at a, it's like a bunch of, like a meat locker for robots. And they're like, peekaboo, not this one. Peekaboo, not this one. They finally find her. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's how it is, right? Yeah, it is. It's very accurate. Lester's in hot pursuit and he is ready to go. He's pretty spry too. Mm -hmm. Also, this made me think about when we lived in Wyoming. There are a lot of guys on ATVs. Do you remember how we'd go, oh, it's spring when people would start, when we lived in Wyoming, when people would start riding their four-wheelers through the neighborhood? And we're like, ah. They do it for everything. They're like, I got to go deposit a check at the bank. And they just like hop on their ATV. Yeah, but most people would gauge spring by the like... Maybe the tulips blooming. Oh, yeah. But no, yeah, we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the ATV guys. Yeah, like on a Spring farm, you here. wake up to a rooster call. <laughs> In Wyoming, you wake up to like just hicks driving around on ATVs. Yep. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> also at this point, Lester says, remember life's an adventure. He's got a few like aphorisms that are he's pretty got poignant. This great quality. This He's like a cold-blooded killer. Mm-hmm. But he's also been like, you know... Don't forget to, like, enjoy the good things. He reminds me so much of Owen Wilson's character from A Life Aquatic. <laughs> Doesn't he? Yeah. He's got the same delivery and yeah. everything. Like, yeah. those two would definitely hang out. I agree. So, Cherry's now, he, Sam has inserted his chip and Cherry sprung to life. Mm-hmm. And, and she's, Johnson's pissed about this. I mean. Yeah. It's a lot of people dying and a lot of shooting for a sex bot, but okay. <laughs> That's true. And That's what this film is ultimately about. It's a man, one guy's struggle to find his sex bot. A man maturing <laughs> beyond his need for a sex bot. Gross. <laughs> 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 it's 
So he That's the moral of the story. He inserts his chip. She's ready. Cherry is ready to go. She's like, Sam, and they start passionately kissing. And did you think Boy, she's been in the desert. I don't care if she's been in a robot meat locker. She's going to have one dusty mouth. Yeah. We live in the desert. There's a lot of sand. You have to dust regularly. I, when we would go, because we grew up in the desert, there, you know, you go to White Sands, which is this beautiful national monument, and you can go just like sand surfing down these gigantic sand dunes and stuff it's beautiful and then you come home and for the next 12 hours you're digging sand out of your like crack you Mm -hmm. know it's sand gets everywhere it's in your ears it's between your toes Mm -hmm. it's in your soul yeah although he couldn't wash her because she would short circuit (laughs) oh but he could dust her (laughs) we could dust her that's true i feel like he could spray uh like a paper towel and wipe her down so then, uh, Cherry, Sam, and Johnson flee, and they have a shootout with the bad guys, and with Lester, they kind of think they killed Lester. He's nah, not going to go down that nah, easy. Nah, brah, he still got it. They run to the plane, they hop in, and they begin to fly away, but Johnson realizes there's too much weight with three people in this little biplane. Yeah, and she gets really upset. She's like, you call me fat? <laughs> Oh, no, never mind. She didn't say that. She hops out behind some garbage and <laughs> like she specifically notes, let me hop out behind the garbage. Well, that's smart. She's taking cover because she's being shot at. And she's like, you take the plane. First of all, it's really assuming a lot of this idiot who's obsessed with the sex bot that he can fly and land a plane. Also, she's really uh, arrogant to be like, no, it's cool. Just put me in the war zone. I will easily get out of this. I feel like she was fine. <laughs> yeah, she totally made it out. Uh, but he he realizes that maybe sex bots are a little overrated. Well, because he's, he's the- like, I could definitely still have sex with an actual woman and so much more. What? And then he has this moment what? where he like c- grows up. I and mean, he pulls the throttle really hard. Just <laughs> gross. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and then he lands. He goes towards the ground, lands the plane, and he tells his sex bot, uh, "Go get me a Pepsi," <laughs> and then just ditches her. A little misogynistic towards a robot. Yeah, I like, don't know how like, that works. Uh, good, good, good way to handle that relationship breakup. Better than a text. And he grabs Johnson. He flies off with her. Lester dies trying to lasso the plane. <laughs> he slams into like one of the giant vegas dancer props yeah and his girlfriend the ex-girlfriend of sam gives cherry a sandwich because apparently cherry robots can eat sandwiches yeah and sam and johnson fly into the sunset that's it that is uh cherry 2000 (sighs) watch a man mature beyond the sex spot yeah but still kind of not Mm. i really like this film a lot so great it is a great film the sets are amazing it's actually really well shot and it's just well done the music the score is Mm -hmm. phenomenal okay so the score is for years was actually the most famous thing about this film really yeah it became like a cult fixture of people dying to get the score because nobody should die for music (laughs) well okay this film has kind of a tragic story for all that it's no. accomplished yes no. it's a, it's well done competently made it has great acting great uh set design 
looks great. The story is very like easy to follow. The problem is, and I was going to ask you about this. How would you describe this as far as genre? What is this? Uh, sci-fi. Okay. Is it post-apocalyptic? Yeah. Is it a drama? I mean, everything's a drama. Is it a comedy? It, not intentionally. Is it an adventure? No. Okay. Is it an action film? I mean, well, I, those things all are part of sci-fi. Okay, sure. But now imagine yourself as a big studio executive being handed this film when you're used to films at this point being one genre only. It's This is an action film with Chuck Norris. This is a drama. You get Cherry 2000, which is merging all these crazy things in this weird story. And the studio executives at Orion did not know what to do with it. You know what they should have done is marketed it as a sex bot film. <laughs> yeah, they should have. Truly. Well, they were confused because there was this like strong female lead. And they thought, well, is this like a cool romantic movie that we could target towards young women? Or is this like a cool action film that we could target towards dudes? And they could not figure it out. And you know what they chose to do? What? Just shelve it. Why wouldn't they just do, like, multi-level marketing campaign? They spent $10 million on this film. For sure. It's really well made. Yeah. And then shelved it. So it was completed in 85. And it uh, was supposed to be released on August 15th of 1986. Never happened. What? Then it got pushed back. Then it got pushed back. Never happened. It did not get seen by anybody until a film festival in Portugal... In 1988, then it got a small run of theaters in Europe. Then Orion was like, well, I guess we should do something with this. Put it out on VHS in 1988, years later. Weird. And for the $10 million budget, do you want to know how much money it made? I'm going to guess $8,000. You are so close. Really? $14,000. What? Is all Cherry 2000 made. Oh, I <laughs> thought I was being screwed silly. themselves. No, that oh is it. Oh my gosh, that's so bad. Uh, why did they do that? This was a cool film. Oh my goodness. So what ended up happening is they had all these plans to release the soundtrack and do all this. That's like how much they spent dyeing Melanie Griffith's hair. Right. Well, they couldn't do it. And they ended up doing a limited release in like 1988 or 89 on CD of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And that became like this big deal because anybody who saw this on VHS was like the score and the score really is pretty incredible, um, which makes sense because this guy is amazing. They did a super limited edition. It's actually a numbered edition on CD. Oh, fancy. Yeah. And it sold out right away because there was very few made. And at one point, the CDs were selling for like $2,500 a pop. Because there were for CDs? Yeah, well, because this was the only way you could hear the music. Oh my goodness, you sneeze on a CD and you're <laughs> ruined. And it was reissued on CD once uh, because it was kind of the first time it came out was all screwed up, but it's never gotten its proper dues. And that's that. That is Cherry 2000's big uh, out- output was $14,000. Wow. <laughs> just... It's a really Shocking. good movie. It is such a good movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And this was their second time through. Loved it. Yeah. Highly recommend it. So there you go. That is the kind of sad story of what ended up happening with it at the end. But if you have not seen this, I would recommend it. If you're a fan of post-apocalyptic films, it's 
really well made. It's easy to follow. Um, it's fun. It's got something for everyone. So one thing I need to mention again, because I'd like to plug it. I, mm-hmm. I did a little ad at the beginning, but I want to mention it again at the end is this comes out on Tuesday and on Tuesday, several podcasts that we love and we're friends with release their episodes. And one of those are longtime friends and listeners, the Super Tat Film Club over in the UK. And I was lucky enough to be asked to come on mm-hmm. and guest spot for them and co-host the uh, episode of Lone Wolf 1988 Werewolf Metal Horror, which is really awesome. If you can go check out their podcast, and we'll do a link to them on our on our Instagram site. But I had a blast hanging out with them for an episode. Go support these guys because we're doing our best to bring you quality entertainment for for free. But I had a, a blast doing Lone Wolf, and that is available today. So check it out. So. Just do that immediately after listening to this. Shun your responsibilities. Yeah, there's nothing more important. Quit your job. Hang up the phone on your mom. Go listen to that. (laughs) Don't pay your bills. Well, if you like what you heard, you can uh, rate, review, subscribe. We are anywhere you get your podcasts. Podbean, Spotify, Apple iTunes, all that jazz. We're at lasergraves.com. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at lasergraves. Our personal sites, I'm at death at 33 RPM. I'm at Mariah Rose Wimmer. And until next week, I don't know what we're doing. I know sitting right next to me, tempting, golden child. I'm just saying it's creeping closer. It started at one side of the room in every episode, just without anybody touching it like a Ouija board. It's just slowly moving closer Mm -hmm, towards us. mm -hmm. I see it. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.